With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode Tom Pricing of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your co-host, Colin Cudmore, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Trevor Shackles. It's been a while since our last episode, and quite a lot has happened since then, including the Sens being officially eliminated from the playoffs. While that was expected from day one of the season, it still kind of hurts to not be in the postseason action for a second straight year, uh, something that we haven't seen in quite a while for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, any thoughts on the Sens' play as of late? Yeah, Colin, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of insane that I, I believe the last time the Senators missed the playoffs in back-to-back seasons was 95-96, which was when I was born. So um, they haven't, you know, missed the playoffs uh, twice, uh, twice in a row in my, in my entire lifetime. So it's it's been a bit weird. And March has just been, it's been a, not going to lie, it's been a pretty boring month because January and February were, you know, there's so much trade speculation. And as, as you, you know, it was kind of depressing seeing uh Duchesne Stone and Dezingle get traded but at the same time there was a bit of excitement just because you know you you were wondering what what uh what the returns would be for those players but you know as of late it's been it's been uh hasn't exactly been entertaining to watch them and you know for the listeners who who've you know followed me for a while uh they'll they'll know that I I actually live out in Vancouver and so I, I go see the Senators play whenever they come here. They come once a year. And so I, I was at the game on Wednesday, the, the 7-4 game. That was honestly just one of the weirdest games. Um, it was 5 nothing, like 30 seconds into the third period for the Canucks. And after the second period, I, I even tweeted, um, you know, for my East Coast followers, you should just go to bed. And that was actually a bad advice because the Senators actually... Uh, almost ended up coming back from a, a five nothing deficit, and that was just like it was the strangest game because they had thirteen shots through two periods. They were just playing absolutely abysmal, and yeah, it, it was pretty funny that the last time Ottawa Ottawa was in Vancouver, I think it was like the second game of the season last year. So that was in October twenty seventeen, a month before the Matthew Shane trade, a month before it sort of, you know all went to crap and and uh and the beginning of the senators um downturn began so when i went to that game there was probably twice the amount of senators fans uh compared to this game so it was definitely a bit of a diff- different atmosphere and yeah it's just i don't know about you but it's i'm finding it really hard to watch some of these games especially when i was at the game thomas shabbat and colin white were hurt Eric Brandstrom wasn't even playing. He, he was in Belleville that night. So pretty much it was just like Brady Kachuk that I was watching. And I guess Max Verano, who we'll talk about later in the episode as well. Yeah, there's a few, a few players we'll be talking about later. But I guess the main event that's happened this past month, just in the past week, is Eugene Melnick breaking his uh, void of silence and going on a bit of a media tour in the last week. 
uh, did his first interview with uh, the Fan 590 Sportsnet. And just off the bat, like before we get into an interview, he already re- started receiving some flack just for going back on Toronto radio, which is something I guess he's done quite a bit. Yeah. But I mean, like, why? Like, just just go back to TSN 1200, go back to Ottawa Media East. And I mean, he, he did later go um, onto CFRA, but it just really, it, it just doesn't look good, right? It just, no, it totally, totally. And yeah, he, he went back for a second interview um, in, in Ottawa the, the next day. But but you're right, like it's it's not a good look. It seems like he's always going to the Toronto media for whatever reason. I don't know if he if he thinks they treat him better or whatever. I I don't think they do. I think it's probably about the same. But yeah, it's just that there really wasn't actually that much in that radio hit. I feel like there was more the next day. But the first one, um, I know he ruffled a lot of feathers with that real fans comment. Uh, what did you think of that one? Yeah, well, let's play the clip for that. Eugene, I've heard from Senators fans all afternoon on social media. Um, they're ticked off at you, and they do not hold their criticism back. How do you win back the Senators fans who have lost faith in your ownership group? Well, I think um, the, 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 the key for us is, first of all, to identify who is a Senators fan or not. Because I've had, you know, we, we tripped up one of these guys, or somebody did, and it turns out there's some little 12-year-old in Toronto that, uh, you know, was... Uh, uh, upset with the senators in general, and you know, I'm a very, I'm a high-profile person that uh, is an easy target. So let them do what they want to do. I, I basically ignore 99% of it. Um, and for our fans, our real fans, um, we we're doing the best we can. So yeah, even though it's a bit of a soundbitey clip, just using the term "real fans," I mean, it just shows how out of touch he is with the fan base. And I think we've seen this in recent interviews with Dorian and Melnick as well, and it's ignoring the distress within the fan base and how and, and how mad they are at the current state of affairs is, is just flat-out ignorant. It's not going to get them anywhere. So um, that, yeah. that, that, that's, that, was really the, that was really the most that I got out of, of that interview. There wasn't really much else to talk about. Um, but uh, I will say for that one too, though, um, the question that... Um, I, I'm blanking on the co-host name of that show, um, but he he was asking about essentially how the how he can win back the fans and what he can do moving forward. And he literally didn't even give an answer. All he talked about was, um, you know, the Senators have had so much success over the past 15 seasons. They've had conference finals. Um, they've been to the Stanley Cup finals. Haven't have they've had an All Star game, the the draft, all this stuff. But that doesn't, you know that's nothing about the future that's that's not an answer as to why fans should trust him moving forward and that's just, it was just a typical Melnick interview um it wasn't anything revelatory um but you're right the, the thing about the the real fans thing even if he didn't necessarily mean it how we perceived it it still came across just awful because of you know just just previous optics yeah so you kind of went off to the second interview after that, the day later, uh, with uh, CFRA Radio, uh, which is TSN 1200's partner, but uh, of course he didn't go on TSN 1200s, as we'll find out later in the interview. Um, <laughs> but he kind of talked about, um, the first point that he made I thought was interesting was about how the next six months are going to be quite critical f- to the front office. And it was just a bit of a odd statement to say. Like, yeah. it, it kind of implies at the same time that the front office hasn't been doing 
his job in the past six months, which is like the biggest six months in franchise history. You know, that's like they, they traded Duchesne Stone the single. Like there, there was so much that happened to that to imply that uh, um, he was expecting better is a bit odd. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, also like he was signed to Pierre Dorian, that is, was signed to an extension just a year ago. So it would be weird to, I mean, the sense that I got from that statement was that he was, Melnick was maybe losing some faith in Dorian just, or, or maybe, you know, he was, um, I don't think he necessarily like wants to fire him. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a weird thing to say. Um, and we'll get into this later about, um, wanting to hire another person in the front office. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a bit strange. Um, and then I, I think there were a couple other important things in that in that interview as well. Um, firstly, with the talking about LeBreton, um, and apparently he had been approached by other partners. Um, but yeah, what what are your thoughts on the uh, yeah um, the whole LeBreton situation there? I mean, we, we did get an NCC update uh, just in the last month about how uh, instead of going with uh, uh, DevCore and that group that um, was expected um, to be uh, to push for um, taking the full deal away from, from Melnick after the deal had been uh, totally cut off of him. But what they did is they kind of uh, divided up the land into a whole bunch of other smaller parts, which kind of accelerates some parts a lot faster that they already had in place, but it also um, makes sure that there's, there's not this one large business part, uh, like business group that's going to be taking over everything and, and hopefully not turn into uh, the fiasco that happened the first time between uh, Melnick and John Ruddy. So mm-hmm. um, Melnick, the interesting thing with interview is that Melnick did mention that he's been approached by some other partners, but at this point, like, even if he does find, like, someone else to replace Ruddy, which, I mean, that that's a big piece to replace right there. Ruddy's and uh, Trinity are probably one of the biggest developers in this city, if not the biggest. So even if he does find someone, like, how would the NCC be able to trust him in this case? Like, yeah, he, he already watched such a big and kind of put on a silver platter plan almost. And uh, they, they know he doesn't have the money for a big project. Maybe he has something for a smaller project. But, I mean, if he wants to build an arena, that still could cost him a lot of money that he just doesn't have at this point. So, um, Well, and now he's he's having to sort of walk back and say that, oh, no, like, we'll be fine in Canada and... I, I don't know when exactly he started saying that, but there was there were points before the LeBreton deal was actually dead that he was sort of saying stuff like that, like, oh, you know, if it if it falls through, like, Kanata is, is fine as well, which, obviously, at the time, that wasn't a good sign that he was saying that. Um, but I would you agree that I don't think the long-term future of the Senators is in Kanata? I just think that either they're going to be in LeBreton somehow under new ownership or, or under partial new ownership or god forbid they move for some reason which would be really stupid but i i just i can't see them lasting in canada for you know like the next 20 years or something oh yeah and i mean of course the sense are not going to be moving i could go on about that forever but uh yeah i don't think so either but <laughs> it, it's basically impossible under uh under nhl rules but uh yeah it, it the, the lebreton project is just so fit for an arena that's hard to see I know. an arena not be part of it <laughs> 
Like how it's just a massive piece of land, like right outside downtown. It's insane. Yeah, and <laughs> and I pass it pretty often too. And it's and you, you can try and just picture the arena being there, and yeah. the, the city's and the city is also invested so much in it already with their LRT lines being put right right across there. Uh, anyways, yeah, yeah, I I totally agree that uh, um, like as good as the Canadian Tire Center is, and as viable a venue as it is, as like. As it's been for, I don't know, it's been 20 years now, almost that. It's been around, and it's it's held up well. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to need some uh, major renovations at some point. And of course, the location doesn't help. So um, for sure, yeah, just having the arena downtown. I mean, it's it's kind of obvious, but uh, it, it'll just do so so much for the organization. And um, I kind of, I guess, kind of building off of that, um, Melnick did go after later. Uh, Two of the most likable people in Ottawa. Uh, first was first was Jim Watson, who, although he has his detractors, he won his last election by a landslide, and 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 you know he to go after him in in a who's the mayor of Ottawa for for people who don't know, um, who um, who did so much or who who didn't really who doesn't really have much to peg on the Le Breton flat situation. I think it was just kind of, I mean. It was kind of bushly by Melnick, but uh, I mean, then Melnick also went on to talk about uh, Ian Mendez. Well, he didn't say Ian Mendez directly, but uh, it was, he was talking about Ian Mendez and decided to call him Bushweek about mm-hmm. um, the interview that uh, he did with uh, Pierre Dorian after the trade deadline, which I mean, just totally uncalled for, right? Yep, totally. I it's just insane because. I, so I listened to, and I'm sure you did obviously as well, the the interview that Mendez and uh, Sean Simpson did with Dorian after the deadline. Iconic and, interview. Yeah, I mean, it's a must listen for, for those who haven't. Um, I would honestly say that Mendez could have gone even harder. And because, you know, he was, he. I, I think it was a good interview. I'm, I'm not criticizing him. But, um, you know, because he was he was pushing for answers and trying to say, you know, people are upset and all this stuff. But at the same time, he was also, you know, wanting to let Pierre know that, um, you know, he, he's just doing his job and like he wants it to be like a, a good relationship between the two of them. And that's what it came across as. It came across as Ian being incredibly professional. Um, Pierre not necessarily giving the exact answers we wanted to hear. Um, and I think I think Pierre was a bit too jovial for the interview, talking about how, you know, it was his proudest day as a GM trading Mark Stone. Um, but I don't get how you could think that interview is Bush League from Mendez. And, you know, everybody in the Senator's market in, in Ottawa backed Ian up, and rightfully so. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, not, not to be going after the Ottawa media, but it's not like uh, uh, Dorian's had the toughest questions asked to him in, in previous right. interviews. So. To, to go to have that sort of uh, I guess in, in sort of uh, a bit of ramped up intensity that Mendez had could, could come across as that in, in that sense, but like in no way is should that be interpreted that way. And to see that Dorian kind of dodged all his answers too is uh, is, is is really just totally uncalled for. Exactly, and I mean, if Melnick thinks that's bush league, he should go to Vancouver or Toronto or one of these other bigger markets that actually have you know, people who are very critical in the media and, I mean, uh, you know, see what he thinks. Look at how his Toronto interview actually turned out, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, I guess the last thing we want to talk about with these interviews is um, 
it definitely didn't get as much uh, circulation in the media because of everything else he said. But the whole reason he did the interviews in the first place was to promote his uh, new business venture, which is called uh, Neuroline, which is supposed to be um, a, a visual tracking um, type technology used for diagnosing concussions. Um, I mean, we, we don't know... You pretty much know nothing about the business yet. They haven't really done much. They haven't really posted mm -hmm. anything online, so we can't really judge that yet. But uh, um, I don't know, just w w wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, not not too much. Um, I mean, that it obviously sounds pretty interesting, um, and <laughs> definitely a lot different than. I don't even know exactly what his involvement was with like the horses and stuff in the past, but it definitely sounds a lot. Um, I don't know, just a lot more interesting and a, and a lot yeah. more, um, you know, I don't know, like good for society. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, and hell, it, it, if that can help him get more money, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I mean, th there's, a, there's a few moving pieces here just because um, I think it mostly revolves around her trust with Melnick, which we, oh, I guess we know isn't uh, right, th yeah, that high. Right, yeah, not trust him. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a step forward compared to, like, just last year he was, there was, like, this immigration pilot that was super sketchy and, like, trying to get the government involved. It, whatever. But it was, like, this weird <laughs> sketchy thing. And he's, he's had some pretty terrible business moves. So, I mean, just from a business perspective, this seems like a better move. Yeah. But, again, like, do we trust Melnick with this? Like, it could just be a whole, like, smoke and mirrors type thing. And, uh, I mean, even just look at, uh, like, the lack of progress with um, the organ project, which is something he released um, after he had his liver transplant. And, like, that hasn't had any updates either. And it's kind of gone under uh, <laughs> under the wires. Like, if, 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 he's, if he's messing up even his, like, philanthropic efforts, like, I, it, hey, it, it seemed like a smoke and mirrors thing at the time, but... Uh, yeah. Colin, Eugene Melnick is the worst sponsor for people for getting people to donate their organs, right? Because I mean, after seeing uh what Eugene Melnick has done with his it, it was a liver, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah, with his liver, I don't think people are going to want to donate to someone like that if if you know, he's uh you know, what he's done in I think it was like 4 years ago he had it or something like that. Something um, like you know, ever since then it's just I don't know. I, I feel like it's been a lot worse because before 2015, I don't think that many people really um, criticized him that much. But since then, it's just kind of kind of gone to hell. To be clear, we still do support organ donation. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is not my yes. If you <laughs> if you're willing to, please. Yes, that's that's not my stance, of course. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, just Melnick's long history of ineptitude. I kind of feel bad for the people who have to be involved with him in this, who are trying to do some good for society. Exactly. I, mean, I know. <laughs> like. Yeah, that's really all I have to say to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, now, in terms of, um, we were talking about this earlier uh, with the front office. It was announced that the senators will be looking to to find a uh, president of hockey operations. Um, I believe it was Elliot Friedman who reported that first. And it's sort of to fill a Brian Murray-esque void that, um, that left when he passed away. And I think, I mean... The senators have had a thin front office for as long as I can remember, and I'm all for them hiring someone as long as this person is competent, whoever they bring, bring them in. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's no real downside to this, would you? Would you say unless there's like, unless you're bringing in uh, who I know, uh, the name I know you're gonna say? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, everyone that 
everyone knows that we don't want Peter Shrelly, who, <laughs> as, as, as long as he's going to be Please, no. uh, in nobody's front office, it's going to be a name that's going to be circling around as, as, an, as the name to avoid. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's nothing wrong with going after president of hockey operations. I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely room to be filled within the SENS organization. I mean, um, like, it, w- w- th- there are a few things, like a few criteria that we're kind of looking for that really need to be filled. But uh, we need someone who can separate Melnick from the hockey operations, which is something that Brian Murray seemed to do very well. Um, we need someone who can speak to the media well. Um, because we know that Dorian, Melnick, and Riskhouse, he just can't. Just, just, yeah, just flat out terrible. can't. We don't want <laughs> doing that. And we also want someone who can make those forward-thinking decisions, um, whether they can bring in analytics um, people. I don't know if they can be in charge of necessarily um, hiring others and whether they're just going to be maybe focused on hockey operations, but they could be kind of open-minded and uh, try and get ahead of the curve and gain some, uh, um, and try and gain an edge in, on other teams. I think that's, Something that uh, is super, super important in hockey right now, especially uh, mm-hmm. um, with uh, the league's parity. And uh, um, I mean, you see how well Tampa Bay just uh, got ahead just by looking at uh, looking for those uh, shorter players that are, are very skilled, right? Exactly. And, and that, <laughs> that's just one example of uh, of, uh, of of like just being ahead of the curve. And I mean, go, going for short players with skill is, is not maybe not ahead of the curve at this point. I think the Suns maybe are just kind of lagging behind in that. But even if he can kind of, uh, he or she can kind of um, go, just do a, a wide analysis of the league um, and really make those forward thinking and uh, smart decisions and not basing it on uh, buzzwords like we all know the Suns do, then I'm, I'm all for it for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that the biggest difference... Um, in the past couple of years since Brian Murray has passed is that there's more exposure for Dorian in the media and we know that he does not do well. He's already like, there's been like three points this season where there's been, you know, he, he said something where, you know, Twitter just goes to town and makes fun of him for it. Um, and I think just, just having somebody in the media that can get the, the message across a lot easier is going to help immensely. Um, Brian Murray was always known as someone who was had a very soothing presence and, and someone, you know, he sort of made everything look and feel a lot better than it actually was. Um, and obviously that, that there's more to the job than that. And like you, like you were saying, I think they definitely would benefit so much from having someone who is actually forward thinking. Um, but yeah, like this, this is a, an important hiring that, that's coming up. And I think if they can, you know, looking at what someone like Brendan Shanahan has done for the Maple Leafs, um, he's done a fantastic job. And if they can get someone like that, then that's huge. Um, just just another voice in the room, another fresh perspective. Um, I just really hope they don't get someone who has sort of, you know, a dinosaur to, to, to say. Part, part someone of the two-edged hockey men, right? Yeah, 200 hockey men, you know, someone like that, someone who's stuck stuck in their ways. Um, and we can talk about this name right now. I don't, I don't necessarily know if this guy is, if he's stuck in the past or not, but Dean Lombardi was mentioned. Um, he apparently isn't actually going to be going to come to Ottawa, according to Pierre Lebron. He said that he wants to stay in his, I think it was like an advisor role in Philadelphia. Um, 
but yeah, so someone like him, I, I don't know, I, I would have been meh on, like, hopefully, I, hopefully they can have someone a bit better, but I don't know, I'm kind of setting the bar low, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to judge these guys off of their past, if we're looking at their forward-thinking ability, but, right. uh, and of course, because we don't really follow the Kings much, uh, we, we don't really, I can't really speak much to what his media presence was like um, mm-hmm. during his time there, but, uh, I mean, experience is a good thing, and I think that... Um, Maybe if he can, if he can, maybe if that experience translates to being able to handle Melnick, I, I'm not too sure, but um, I, I think that'd be a good bet. And uh, and maybe this is a long shot, but just one name that I thought of right now that's that's kind of on the hiring market is Steve Eiserman, and I think that would be <laughs> huge. <laughs> Don't I, I, get people excited, okay? Because that's oh my god, that if, would be amazing. <laughs> if the Suns can hire Steve Eiserman, that would be I I I wouldn't know what to think. Because, <laughs> <laughs> just put the name out there wow maybe if it happens i, I if, don't know <laughs> i mean that's never gonna happen like eisman eisman just i mean whatever role he's gonna do next it's it, it'll probably have to be like perfect for him and like i don't think he'll want that stress of having to to uh be the intermediary between dorian and melnick but wow that would be crazy because i i don't uh you know ob- same with um just as with Lombardi, I don't like remember watching that many Eiserman press conferences or anything. But from what I vaguely remember, he seemed decent at it, um, so that would certainly help. But obviously, like building the Tampa Bay Lightning to to what they are today, he's done a fantastic job. So that would be crazy. But I, yeah, I really don't think that'll happen. It'll probably be someone. I don't know. I can't think of names, but it'll be like the Randy Carlisle of GMs or something like that. I mean, I, I wonder what the sense um, salary they're offering salary is going to be for this because I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, you're talking Iris, I mean, he could probably be able to get way more than what the sense are offering, but um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, sense, uh, you have my number. If you want to give me a call, I'd uh, hey, slide in those DMs. <laughs> uh, th- that would be pretty stressful, but uh, I mean, I, I'd give it a shot. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> shoot, shoot your shot. Right. Exactly. So I guess uh, next thing we want to talk about, kind of moving away from the front office a bit, and actually talking about some players. It seems like it's been a few episodes since we've actually done that. Exactly. But, uh, uh, Max Verano signed from Princeton University. He's 23 years old, uh, top one of the top college free agents, um, and now he's already playing in his Sens uniform, uh, skipping Belleville entirely, apparently. And he's just going right to the main roster. Uh, he has some games to his his name already. Um, just wondering what you think after. Um, after his performance so far. Yeah, well, I mean, I had the pleasure of being able to see his first career goal live in person in Vancouver, so um, that was that was pretty neat. Um, I think, I forget if it was the first or the second goal that game, but either way, it was, yeah, either the first or the second, so at that point, it wasn't too much to cheer about, but um, the fact that it was, it was Verano who scored was definitely exciting. Um, so yeah, he's got a goal and an assist in five games, and I think he's... I don't think he's necessarily looked out of place, um, you know, con- considering who the Senators have signed as undrafted college free agents. He has a very low bar to clear to be one of their better signings. Totally. Um, and, you know, so far he's, he's looking decent. Um, but yeah, like it will have to fully evaluate him, you know, at some point later, uh, like a year from now to, to see if he's any good or not. Um, 
but yeah, he's also he he'll be turning 24 in December, so he's not like a super young prospect or anything. But I think he's looked decent so far, and I, I like that they're giving him a shot, especially because he's a right winger and they're they're just incredibly thin on the right side. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, I mean, just 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 watching him, I haven't I didn't watch him in Princeton at all to be to be uh, honest. But he, I mean, he looks fast. He makes good decisions. Yeah. I mean, like, what more could you ask for? I mean. And he's also local, right? So and he's local, exactly. <laughs> what, what but they could have, yeah. They could have also had his teammate, um, uh, Kuffner, right? Was it? Yeah. And to be yeah. honest, I'm I'm more convinced. And I think Scouts expresses uh, the same sentiment about uh, um, Verno being the more uh, ready prospect. Or uh, I mean, I say prospect, but like he's 23 already, going to be 24. So yeah. I mean, if if you're looking at aging curves and um, a player's prime is expected to be around 23 to 25 i see i this is where i kind of start getting a bit skeptical about verano even though he's kind of um, yeah exactly the, the, the top free agent like the top college free agent like you don't get many college free agents to um to just uh be an nhler right away or even like i mean you get some who who can play on the on the in the bottom six and that's kind of what i I'm envision verano to be like uh if he can keep up this play but like yeah, I, I, I'm kind of treating him more like a roster player at this point, just because this is his kind of expected peak. Um, also, just because he's coming from Princeton, which is the uh, in the ECAC, which is the NCAA's weakest division. So um, maybe those point totals are, in, are inflated a bit. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. 55 points in 36 games in 2017-18 uh, is like impressive on its own. So, um, I mean, I, I'm happy with this start. Of course, uh, small sample size, as we'll say with anything. But... Uh, or I mean, not anything, but uh, with with, why don't with we, players starting off. But uh, yeah, <laughs> why don't we go through some previous um, college free agent signings for the Senators and and you tell me if he's going to be end up a better player than him? Okay. Sure. All right, uh, Jesse Winchester. I think I, I I'd probably expect him to be better. That's kind of where my bar is at right now. For okay. Okay. Over under. So Stefan DaCosta. Yeah, I think he'll be better. Yeah. Um, who else would they have? Uh, I'm blanking. Bobby Butler. Honestly, I was a Butler fan, and I I, I loved his, Butler. I, I loved his time. I love Bobby Butler. He had a couple of nice goals, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, I would real real about being better. I, I mean, it's uh, it, they, they kind of operate all all around the same range of like fringe any chower could play bottom six if they if they stick, but uh, um, that, I kind I, I kind of envision him in that range, but I could also see him being better than all of them. Fair, fair, yeah. And uh, some other names um, I'm just thinking of. I mean, he was a goalie, but like they had Matt O'Connor. But Buddy Robinson. Um, yeah, Buddy Robinson. Who else would they have? Uh, I guess Andrew Sturtz. Um, who else would I be missing? Um, I don't know. Can you think of any others? Um, that's all I can think of right now. But, uh, uh, they've definitely had a few more, and like none of them have really turned out. But, you know, it's it, it's a free lottery ticket. You might as well take it. So that's why I like seeing these kind of signings. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess one other prospect that's kind of popped up in the news a little bit recently is uh, Marcus Hogberg, uh, who's, I mean, let's just start with how Belleville's doing. Uh, they're, yeah. uh, they're, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're not right in, they're not in one right now, but they're tied with, uh, the Cleveland Monsters with 74 points for the fourth spot in the North Division. Uh, top four teams in the, in the division make it in. Um, Cleveland has one game in hand, and uh, Belleville has two more uh, regulation and overtime wins, which is the first tiebreaker if they end up tied in points. Um, 
So those will, uh, OSO2 will be fighting it pretty, uh, um, pretty hard. And of course, Utica, the Utica Comets are working two points behind as well. So it's not like a playoff spot is, is guaranteed at this point, even though uh, they've been playing so well recently. Yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of too bad that because what have they lost two straight or three straight? I haven't been following exactly, but uh, yeah, because I think yeah, it's, they, it's they definitely lost the, recently, including yeah. Cleveland. So it, it's a bit of a bit of a slide for them. I mean, relatively slide. Um, and Cleveland's been been real hot uh, recently, but um, yeah. As as for Hogberg, I mean, he's been. Do you know how many games he's played? In the past, like twenty, he's probably he must have played like eighteen of the last twenty or something oh, like that. Sure. It's been, it's been a crazy workload for him, um, and you know he he's been really solid. Uh, you know he's got a nine sixteen save percentage on the season. Um, would you be comfortable with him being the backup next season? Um, I think it's an interesting question, just because Ottawa's expected to be horrible next year, and if you're giving him a backup position, we're not playing him much in front of. A bad team. Uh, I I think that's not really an ideal scenario. But at the same time, you can't really just shove him down in Belleville, where there's going to be so many more goalies. You think of uh, Gustafson and uh, hopefully Decord uh, getting playing time. So mm-hmm. um, if there's any goalie out of those three prospects that I'd be fine with being NHL ready, I think it's uh, um, Hogberg. Um, so yeah, I guess it, that's that's where. Um, this news comes in. It looks like um, Orebro is ex- expressing interest of the SHL, the team there. And uh, that's his hometown team. But it sounds like um, they're trying to convince him to come back. He's in a RFA at the end of the year. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's, probably used, it's probably just a ploy to try and get a one-way deal with the Sens and try and uh, yeah. gain him some more leverage. Um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like... It, it would really suck to lose him after uh, we've seen him. Like, he was drafted in what? He was drafted in 2013. So it's already been six years he's been in the Sun system. I know. But uh, so he's, also, he's also a late birthday, too. So, like, he's turning 25, I think, in November. So I think people don't realize how old he is. This isn't a guy that is, you know, he, he's not super young anymore. I, I think he'd be perfectly fine in a backup role next season in the NHL. Um, and like, I don't know. It's just, if they can get rid of, or sorry, I guess if they can keep one of Anderson and Nielsen, that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with whatever. Uh, obviously Anderson has the contract and Nielsen doesn't. Um, if, if Nielsen's willing to sign a one-year deal and they can get rid of Anderson somehow, then cool, great, do that. Um, but I definitely wouldn't go out of my way to, to sign Nielsen, um, if they couldn't get rid of Anderson too, just because, like you said, there, there's no point in really ha- having Hogberg down there, especially if you're planning on for the Belleville goalies to be Philip Gustafson and Joey Decord, who hopefully will sign with the Senators. Um, so yeah, like like Gustafson has a lot more time. He's only what is he twenty? I think. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So like he can stay in Belleville for a bit. Like that's fine. Um, but there's no point in even if Hogberg actually does give them an ultimatum and say i'm either signing a one-year deal here or i'm going back to sweden just give them the one-year deal like there's no you're going to be bad no matter what and like it's not like the the upgrade on anders nielsen is going to be amazing anyway like he might give you a 9 10 save percentage whatever he's a backup goalie so um yeah 
and the frustrating thing was on i want to say saturday yesterday um bruce garrick was talking about how he said something to the effect of if hogberg does well in the playoffs then maybe they'll they'll keep him or like maybe they'll re-sign him and i thought wait what like maybe they'll re like what do you mean <laughs> he's an rfa he should be a lock to stay with the team he's i mean you could make a case that he's has the best chance to be an nhl goaltender amongst their their prospects so that would be wildly infuriating if they just let him walk for nothing totally and and i mean even looking at his past seasons it's it can't really be understated how valuable it could be playing in the shl like in 2016 yeah. 17 he had played 33 games 932 save percentage like that's that's not nothing that's uh, yeah i know that's in a pro league and, and he's playing he's playing well in a pro in the north american pro league now uh, 916 save percentage in 31 games for belleville so we, we know he can take the workload we know he can um, play decently. I mean, looking at Hogberg's play specifically, I, I may be not as convinced just because he relies, he still relies quite a bit on uh, his 6'5 size. He's still a very tall goalie, whereas uh, that's why I like someone like Decord so much because he uh, kind of ventured past that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 he, I mean, he's played some NHL games this year. It's just a little taste. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, yeah, but it would be, it would be It'd be crazy if the Sens um, uh, voluntarily don't sign him. Yeah, it, it would just be very strange. Um, even if you are higher on Gustafson, which I don't know, I, I've sort of flip-flopped back and forth. Like beginning of the season, I was definitely a lot higher on Gustafson, but Hogberg has had the much better season. He's also older, like I was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, like who who would you rank higher as a prospect right now? I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe this is cheating, but I I probably go for Joey Decord even over both of them. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair, fair. Um, but uh, I mean, he he's still a bit of a wild card right now. Where they're going to sign him or not? But uh, in the meantime, yeah. uh, I mean, go Belleville Senators. Hopefully, they can get to exactly. the playoff spot and go on a playoff run to begin with. See, uh, so the Sens can do their Hogberg test or whatever they're planning on doing. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, gonna be quite the interesting thing to watch down the stretch. Um, it's it's gonna be some uh, worthwhile hockey to watch. Um, Hopefully, I'll be able to catch a few broadcasts. But, uh, yeah, definitely much more interesting to watch than the Ottawa Senators right now. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for them to make the first playoffs and get swept by the Syracuse Crunch. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fun. All right, well, I think we can wrap it up there. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cosper Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at CudboreColin and read my articles at Silver7Sends. And then for Trevor, you can follow him on Twitter at ShaqTS and read his articles at HockeyBuzz.com. And we also have a Cosper Pointcast Twitter account, which you can follow at CPPointcast. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or questions you want answered, let us know. That's all for today, folks. Adios.